0: Good morning, Moran Park. I tell you, there's a a lot of uh, buzz here this morning, a lot of conversations. It's good. I think it might be because the the kids are upstairs, and that's a good thing. Uh, It's good to see the the kids here. Usually, uh, kids, just so you know, when you're having your song downstairs in the the room, we're hearing you up here, uh, and we like it. We hear the thumping, and it's uh, kind of kind of exciting and so it's good to have uh, the kids in here uh, this morning it's been a good couple weeks Uh, a couple weeks ago Nate Bull came and shared and talked about the motivation behind the gifts of the Spirit and talked about the overwhelming love that the Father has for all of us and I don't know about you but that was a powerful message as he just shared and there was a point in that message when he just was talking about God wanting his kids back and I'm like man yes and amen it just was a powerful powerful time And then last week, Josh shared, Rumpsa shared about healing and talked about healing and the need for all of us, uh, regardless of our experience, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep pressing into the things that the Lord has for us. And so it's been an exciting time, and I'm so blessed to have uh, people like Josh and then Nate come and share as Britain is on sabbatical. If you don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm on staff here as well. And a question for you uh, this morning, does anybody know what today is, June 4th? 2017. Does anybody know what today is? Yeah. I heard it over here, Pentecost Sunday. How many of you, now be honest because it's church, uh, how many of you knew that it was Pentecost today? Raise your hand. Okay, A couple. A couple of you knew. Alright. You know for many years I didn't even focus on Pentecost Sunday, I didn't even think that it was Pentecost Sunday, I didn't pay any attention to it. Now with other significant events in the church calendar we pay attention to those don't we? Christmas, right? Christmas, we we pay attention to that. The time when Jesus became man, when God came down to earth and dwelt among us. We should pay attention to that. Christmas is a significant moment in the life of Jesus, him coming to earth. We pay attention to another significant moment in Good Friday, Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. We pay attention to that. And again, we should, as Jesus, while we were still sinners, he died the death that we deserved to die. And then a couple later days later, we recognize and we pay attention to Easter, that Jesus' is, Jesus's victory over the grave. And those three events we pay attention to, but I would argue that there are two significant events that happen after the resurrection of Jesus that we need to focus on, that we need to pay attention to. And the first one happened 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, and that was ascension, when Jesus went up to heaven, ascended into heaven, and without the ascension, without him ascending to heaven, you know, there's a lot of questions. We wonder where would Jesus be if he just didn't ascend into heaven, but then also if, if we don't celebrate that, if we don't focus on that, we forget the very essential truth that right now we serve and worship a risen Savior who is reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father, and we can go to him at any time and ask things that we want. It's absolutely amazing that we have a Savior who is right now at the right hand of the Father. But then 10 days later, after that, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. And without the Holy Spirit, without Pentecost, we are completely lost. We're left alone in this world. There's no power in our lives, and we can easily get discouraged. See, so often we focus on those first three aspects of Jesus' life. His birth, his death, and his resurrection. And we should, but we neglect the other two, the ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church at Pentecost. See I think one of the things that happens when we focus just on maybe one aspect over the the next, we don't realize all that God wants to give us. We have a Savior, we have a, a Father up in heaven who is a generous giver and we've been going through the the book of 1 Corinthians and we've been sitting in 1 Corinthians 12 for a while and I want you to turn there and I want you to see Just something that is at the very core, the very heart of who God is. And as we read 1 Corinthians 12, you'll see one word repeated over and over and over again. And it seems like just it's a word that we can simply pass by and simply scoot over. But it is very essential to the core, the character of God. Start in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is saying this to the church. He's saying, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So one word gets repeated over and over again in that section. And what word is it? Spirit. Yes. Spirit does what? Gives. Gives. The very core of who God is, very, His very character is that He is a God who gives and gives abundantly. Back in Luke, you know, Jesus is talking about the Father in Luke chapter 11, talking about how we should pray and at the end He says, even though you who are evil know how, how to give good, give good gifts, how much more does a heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The most famous verse in, in the New Testament. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. We have a Father in heaven. We have a God who generously gives. And I would argue that that uh, picture of God as a God who gives has drastic implications for our life. That we have a God who's not up there just sitting back, but a God who wants to be engaged in our life, giving us all that we need to accomplish what he tells us to accomplish. Go back to the end of Jesus' life. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, he's risen from the dead, and he's sitting with them on a mountain, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to tell people about me, you're going to share with people about me, you're going to tell them that there's forgiveness in me, that there's there's, uh, new life in me, you're going to call people to repentance. Now imagine if you're sitting there, how would you feel at the enormity of that task? you feel overwhelmed. You'd feel like, oh my goodness, you're going to use us to share your message to the entire world. And then he turns to them and he says, but you're not going to have to do it by yourself. See, here's your purpose. Your purpose is to go be my witnesses, but I'm going to give you the power to accomplish that purpose. Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and falls on you. And so on this Sunday, this Pentecost Sunday... I want us to be reminded of all that the Holy Spirit gives us and the power of the Holy Spirit and the very purpose of the Holy Spirit. But to begin our time this morning, I want us to listen to Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. So Steve and Carrie are going to come and share that.
1: Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven.
2: And when they heard a crowd, came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken.
1: Utterly amazed, amazed, they they asked, asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans?
2: Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language?
1: Parthenians, Medes, Elamites.
2: Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia.
1: Phrygia and Pamphylia. Good job. Okay.
2: (laughs) Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene.
1: Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism.
2: Cratians and Arabs.
1: We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues.
2: Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What What does does this this mean?
1: Some, however, made fun of them and said,
2: They have had too much wine.
1: Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd.
2: Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say.
1: These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning.
2: No, no, no. This is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In
1: In the the last last days, God God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people.
2: Your sons and daughters will prophesy.
1: Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And And they they will will prophesy.
0: Awesome. Thank you, guys. The prophecy from Joel says In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And I think that is an amazing picture on all people. Not on a certain class of people. Not on a certain uh, age of people. But God says that he was going to pour out his spirit on all people. Which lines up with his character. He's consistent in his character to generously pour out himself on all people. To generously give over and over again. And he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men and women will see visions. Your old men and women will see dreams. And I think this is absolutely amazing. God pouring out His presence. God pouring out Himself generously on all people. And this completely transformed the church. It was the birth of the church as, as Peter was there and he, as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, he went out and he shared about Jesus. Now, remember who was Peter. Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times, even to a teenage girl. And all of a sudden, we're seeing Peter radically transformed by the Spirit of God into a man of power who is proclaiming Jesus to the very people who crucified Jesus. You go fast forward to Acts chapter 6, and you see the Spirit transform a man named Stephen. A man who was just... Not even one of the twelve, but a man who was, had an amazing description on his life. That he was full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, and no one could stand up to the wisdom by which he spoke. Here was Stephen, a young man who was full of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and is proclaiming to the people, again, who crucified Jesus, to, and he proclaimed to them, stop resisting the Holy Spirit. He was full of courage, full of boldness, and he is radically proclaiming the love and forgiveness and new life found in Christ and Christ alone. But you think, well, the Holy Spirit is just for those who were leaders in the church, those who were, specifically called to lead the church. But look at Acts chapter 12, and you see the Spirit poured out on people beyond the leaders in the church. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Philip is running for his life because of persecution against the church, and it says in verse 12, but now the people believed Philip's message of the good news because as he was running for his life, he's telling people about Jesus wherever he went. They believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and as a result, many men and women were baptized. They put their faith in Jesus. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And why did they send them? As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. I think this is a powerful picture. Here Peter and John had received the Holy Spirit. They hear that people had given their life to Jesus and they knew the power of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit and so they went to Samaria, they went to these new believers and said, you can't live your life without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to come and lay hands on you and pray for you. And it says that they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Throughout Acts, you see people being filled, baptized with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, Paul, an early leader in the church, the enemy of the early church, persecuting Christians, Jesus gets a hold of his heart. And the, one of the first things that happens is Ananias comes and says, You can regain your sight, prays for him to regain his sight, and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. All the way throughout Acts, there is a pattern that is repeated over and over again. People repent of their sins. They get baptized, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a pattern throughout. Even Paul talked about this in his life. He talks about going places led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, even having the Holy Spirit prevent him from going to certain places. And then when he's talking to the church, churches that he planted, he's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. All the way throughout, you see this message. Of people being empowered, guided, led by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you may be sitting there as I sat in churches when I heard about the Holy Spirit numerous times, and you might be having questions. You might have these preconceived ideas of, oh, here we go, conversation about the Holy Spirit. This is when it gets weird. This is when some people get uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit, let's be honest, is mysterious, He's a spirit. The Holy Spirit is mysterious, but one of the things that we can't get away from as we read scripture is over and over again, people are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might hear that word, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and again, numerous thoughts come into your mind. Because what does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? Well, what does it mean to be baptized? Baptism simply means being saturated, being immersed, being dunked, completely surrendering yourself, I would argue, to God, to the Holy Spirit. And throughout Scripture, we see people encountering Jesus, and they get baptized, they fully give their lives to following Jesus, and then they are completely immersed, surrendered to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they go out and they teach about Jesus they talk about Jesus they pray for people and they see people get healed they see people delivered of evil spirits because not because they're so great but because the same power that was at work in Jesus Christ is now at work through them because Jesus baptized them with the Holy Spirit let me go back to John the Baptist John the Baptist says I came to baptize you in water there will be one referring to Jesus who will come after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit who will give you the same spirit that he has to do the work that he asks you to do And so you see throughout scripture, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there is also a filling of the Holy Spirit. Because when we go through life, let's be honest, we get tired, we get weary, we get discouraged. And the same was true with people in the first century. And so that's why Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled, continually fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit so that you can do the very things that God has asked you to do. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we can get freaked out. But the thing that you see throughout Scripture is normal Christianity is characterized by people, of, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and fueled by the Holy Spirit. You read this book and it's seen throughout over and over and over again. Let's think about it. Think about the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Before you came to Christ... Before you gave your life to Jesus, who was at work in your life before you gave your life to Jesus? God was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 16 that it was the Holy Spirit's job to come and convict the world of sin, to talk about the righteousness of God. And I don't know about you, but there was a day in my life that came when I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I was convicted by the Holy Spirit and realized how big of a sinner I was. Years ago, I was sitting at my office on the north side of town at a different church and a knock on the door, you know, it happened, and then somebody came in, and this person just dropped to the floor. Tears streaming down their face. It's not coming out of their nose. It was like just a big old cry. And I get graphic just to show you the depth of conviction that this man was under. And he was like, I am a sinner. I've recognized that I am absolutely a sinner, all the wrong that I've done. I hadn't said a word. I hadn't uttered one thing, and here this man was convicted by the Holy Spirit. was a Holy Spirit that was at work in his life long before he ever realized it, and I would argue the same is true of you. Before you ever open up your heart to Jesus, God is at work in your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who brings you to a saving faith in Jesus Christ? During your salvation, it's the Holy Spirit. Look at Titus chapter 3. Turn to the right a couple pages, past first and second Timothy, and you run into Titus. Titus chapter three says this. Let's start at verse four. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, He gave us not, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So at salvation, when you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there at work at, in your life. And so you take before Jesus, and even at the moment of salvation, when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, it doesn't stop there. God doesn't say, okay, I've used up all the Holy Spirit in your life, You know, now good luck following Jesus. No, after that, the Holy Spirit leads and guides as we allow him to just saturate every aspect of our lives. And here's a couple things that the Holy Spirit does. We see this throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit empowers followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The thing that totally transformed Peter was the Holy Spirit. Here was a guy who was weaker All of a sudden, filled with the Holy Spirit, he is schooling the very people that kicked him out of school and telling them about Jesus. Last week, Josh was up here sharing about healing. And Josh did an amazing job. But Josh was filled with the power of the Spirit. I don't know if you remember last week as he shared the list of things that we felt the Lord impressed on our hearts to pray into, people who needed healing, back issues and knee and and shins and all of that. Josh A teacher, high school teacher, just a high school teacher. And he's absolutely amazing. I don't want to belittle that, but here he was, a high school teacher filled with the power of the Spirit as he shared about a name that the Lord had impressed on his heart. The name, you remember? John. I want to share with you what happened. There was a man who was here last Sunday, and he had, through different things at work, experienced back pain and also knee pain and shin pain. Three of the four things that were on the list and he's sitting there going, eh, I don't know if I should stand up. And then Joshua all of a sudden says, yeah, this name that keeps coming to me, John. I just, I feel like the Lord wants to do something in your life. This man's name, John. And all of a sudden as he's sitting there wondering if he should stand up, he hears his name he's like, the Lord saw me. The Lord knows me. He knows exactly what I'm going through. And he's like, I have to stand up now. There's no question. He stands up, people gather around him, and he was healed. As of Tuesday, he hadn't had any pain since Sunday. Absolutely amazing. Here was Josh, a high school teacher, walking in the power of the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He empowers us, he fuels us, he, he gives us strength that we don't know we have. See, too often we as followers of Jesus, I believe, walk around in weakness because we're so distracted by the things of this world. We walk around in weakness because we're focused on our own things and trying to operate in our own strength and in our own power. We walk around in weakness because we ignore the little voice in our head that's from the Holy Spirit saying, go over here, do this or do that. And the Holy Spirit wants us to walk around in great power because the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He gives us power and strength to do the very thing that Jesus asks us to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us, but the Holy Spirit also encourages us. If you look at Acts chapter 4, you see Peter and John are absolutely fru- not frustrated, but they're weary because they had been beat up for talking about Jesus. They go back to their people, they pray together, and they ask the Holy Spirit to fill them. And it says the Holy Spirit fell, and they were filled with strength and courage, and they went out and shared the word of God with great boldness. Look at one verse in Acts chapter 9. I think this is absolutely powerful. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Verse 31. It's a picture of the church in the first century and it says the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit it also grew in numbers. See one of the things that I think we focus on is the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit but one of the things that we neglect is the encouragement that the Spirit wants to give there are many of you in this room who are doing the things that Jesus asked you to do and you're doing it with the, the power of the Holy Spirit but you come across times in your life and you get weary and you get tired and then you go and you try to get encouragement from somewhere else and all of a sudden you get more and more weary and more and more tired and one of the things that I think we need to do on a regular basis is be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to empower us but when we get tired, when we get weary, when we get overwhelmed with things in life, He wants us to get encouragement from him. See, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we can get confused, yes, but we can get distracted because we think the Holy Spirit is all about this power that we have to harness to do the things that Jesus asks us to do. The Holy Spirit is not a power to be harnessed. It's a person to follow, a person to have a relationship with. And I believe this points back to the very generous heart of who God is. God gives generously. God, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, wants a relationship with you and I. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us. But it didn't just send Jesus back up to heaven and leave us all alone. He gave us his Holy Spirit to lead and guide us every single day, to encourage us, but also to guide us and empower us as we do the very things that Jesus asks us to do. But so for so long in the church, so long in our lives, we neglect this amazing gift that God wants to give to those who, people who ask in faith. God wants to generously pour out His Spirit. God wants to generously fill each and every one of us with all the things that we need in this life to make Him more famous. To bring glory and honor to Him. And so why wouldn't we as his kids, God who every good and perfect gift comes from God, why wouldn't we come to him and say, we need your spirit, we need your presence, we need your power, we need your encouragement in our lives. See, when we don't focus on the gift of the spirit at Pentecost, we so often try to live our lives in the power of the flesh. And God as a heavenly father, as our father is saying, I want to give you so much more. Yes, I saved you. Yes, I rescued you. But I want to walk with you every single day, hand in hand, in relationship with you this is the third time that Moran Park has talked about the gifts of the Spirit and you might be asking you know, yourself the question why are we talking about this again if you've been around Moran Park for a while why are we talking about this again haven't we talked about this don't we talk about this uh, enough back years ago Britain shared you know first of all his journey of, when it comes to, when it came to the gifts of the Spirit Back in 2014, and uh, these messages are on our website as well, you can go back and check them out. But back in 2014, the church said, no, this is what we believe. And I was privileged to be a part of that series. But then the Lord has us now, again in 2017, looking at the things of the Spirit. And I, the gifts of the Spirit, and I have to ask the question, why? Why? Why, why are we looking at the gifts of the Spirit? Why are we talking about the Holy Spirit in the, the middle of summer? Actually, summer's a couple weeks away, but at the beginning of the summer. Why are we talking about the gifts of the Spirit uh, when college students are home? Why are we talking about this over and over again? And I would say three things come to mind. First of all, the church was never intended to be a country club where people came and sit, kicked up their feet, listened to a message, went home and lived their life. Church was always meant to be a place where people come together, are encouraged and empowered by the Spirit to do the very thing that Jesus has asked us to do and that's make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that he commanded us to to do. And I don't know about you, but I can't do that on my own strength. I desperately need the Holy Spirit every day in my life and so do you. So I think this is a reminder to all of us that Jesus, that following Jesus is not a spectator sport where you get to watch somebody else play. This is a a sport in which we all get to play. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, get in the game and I will fill you and I will equip you with all that you need. Secondly, I think one of the reasons that we're going through this in June and and looking at this again is because one of the biggest barriers to future success for, for any organization, anybody in general is past success. I mean how many of you guys know people who love to live in the past and talk about all of their achievements in high school as a stud basketball player and they're like back in 1992 I did this and that and I was absolutely amazing And I'm like bro that's 25 years ago (laughs) they live in the past but you get them on a court today and they're absolutely nothing but they're living in the past and they're thinking so great because of something that happened in the past And part of the biggest barrier to success in the future is success in the past because we want to live back there and make a shrine out of the past when God is always calling his people forward. There are amazing things that happened at Moran Park in the past. People healed, people delivered, people set free from oppression. Amazing things happen. But God is not done. There are so many things that God wants to do in the future. And the beautiful thing is he wants to do it through all of you. And the most amazing thing is he's equipped you with his spirit to do it. And that leads me to the third thing. The, thing that I, the reason I think that we're doing this and talking about this in the summer with college students gone is because Jesus wants us to surrender to him in every season of life. And when college students are here, love their hearts, they're willing to do Anything. Their hearts are so soft, they have a childlike faith, a faith that we all need to have, and it's absolutely uh, amazing and energizing. But there are people here today that are over 40, that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because God wants to use you. Look at Acts chapter 2. Your old men and women will see vision or will dream dreams. And I think sometimes as we get older in life, those dreams die and the holy spirit is like no i don't want those dreams to die. And so if you're over 40 and i'm over 40. If you're over 40 in here i want to encourage you. You need to be filled with the spirit on a regular basis because god is not done with you yet. It's because true. you're still alive. Think about Moses. His greatest success was when he was over 80. That's when he delivered that god used him to deliver the israelites out of slavery. And so i want to encourage you those who are over 40 I want to encourage you today to be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to surrender your life completely to the Holy Spirit. It's not just for younger people. And it all goes back to this very core principle that I just want us to think about on this Pentecost Sunday is that God is a generous Father who wants to give abundantly to His kids. Wants to give over and over and over again. And so I want to invite the worship team to come up right now and the prayer teams. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to completely fill every aspect of your life. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, no one has ever prayed for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to completely surrender your life to God, I want to encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you today but also if you're discouraged, if you're frustrated if you're weary in life and you're a follower of Jesus and and you're just tired the amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you today he wants to fill you with all that you need to continue to do the things that he has invited you into now I know that there's kids in here as well and you might be as a parent thinking, oh my kids here how do I go forward, what does that look like man bring them up Have them stand right there as you receive prayer. Suzanne was so right on that kids learn through imitation, through watching you. There's a lot there. I won't go get distracted on that. But invite your kids to come forward with you. If you're sitting next to your kids and they've given their life to to the Lord, I want to encourage you to lean and, and pray with them. Pray over them. Pray that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit parents we get a joy the joy of praying for our kids to receive Jesus it's also just as joyful to pray for your child to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be used by God in powerful ways And so let's stand together and let's just allow space for people to receive prayer for people to be completely immersed in all that God has for them let's let's worship